Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast podcast where it is stat nerd thursday uh that means i am matt Harmon, and every week in this show i'm joined by dalton del don we have plenty of good stats to dig into each week but before we get into the fun obviously first you know we got to go through the pre-show business if you still haven't tested out fantasy plus honestly what are you waiting for slash what is wrong with you also with league specific tools to help you navigate the treacherous trade waters and give you waiver wire advice it can literally only help your squad try it out for free at yahoofantasyfootball.com slash plus and you'll also get access to andy Barron's invaluable weekly fantasy newsletter now with that over and done with dalton how you doing man doing well man i'm happy with my decision to pass on going to the niner game sunday night sitting through that monsoon looking oh, miserable. I, so yeah i can't believe we didn't talk about that in our little pre-show chat because i thought about that like uh you know every niners we we're gonna do niners weekly at the end of the news section but you know every niners game especially the primetime ones especially the last week was it's like a little twist dagger for me because of the whole iuk thing but like i can't even imagine it's got to be way worse for you and i thought about that as like i literally said to myself as i'm sitting here writing my recap article with that game on in the background i'm like well, this sucks for me, but it sucks even worse for Dalton if he's there right now. So I'm glad to know that you did not you did not do that. Yeah, they're like one in ten in Levi's the last eleven home games, and the parking is miserable there. So yeah, thankfully I, I decided not to go through that when I looked at the weather, which looked miserable, and boy on TV it looked even worse than anticipated. So yeah, thankfully I sat out that one. But how you doing, man? I'm good. How many how many NFL stadiums have you been to, actually? Oh, not that many. Uh, a handful. I went to the old RFK in Washington. I've been to New Orleans, um, old Oakland, but um, I think that's about it, actually. So maybe four. Uh, yourself? Yeah, I've been to the Superdome. I've been to Bank of America Stadium and um, FedEx Field in Washington. That's it. So not very. I've been many. to MetLife. Been to MetLife too. So about, yeah, handful. About handful. Are, yeah. are all of them just an actual nightmare to get in and out of? Because I feel like for the for the most part, everybody, especially now at, the, at SoFi, you know, down the street from me here, they're like, I'd say down the street, you know, like ten minutes down the street or whatever. But point is, like everybody's like, oh, it's such a nightmare, traffic, parking. But I'm like, that's probably ninety five percent of stadiums. Especially, oh, FedEx Field in Washington is like an actual hellscape getting in and out of there. And then the two-hour traffic you're locked going to sit into. Um, I would say Bank of America Stadium, though. Panther Stadium, very, very easy to get out of. Very well done. 
Yeah, they have to rent out businesses by in Santa Clara for Levi's. It's right next to Great America theme park, but it's pretty bad. And also half the stadium, which our seats are on, but I don't ever go to the day games because of uh, I'm writing. I don't go to the primetime. Yeah. It's on sun that's unbearable too. So yeah, that's 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 not great. Oh, yeah, that's right. uh, yeah. Yeah, but you know, there's a there's a really interesting. Uh, st- I was looking at using real nerd stats comparing home field advantage historically, like EPA and, and even more advanced than that. And supposedly, uh, the Niners have gone from uh, Candlestick was historically the best home field advantage. And I'm not talking win loss. I'm not talking win loss. I'm talking like again an in depth view uh, with some crazy analytics. And it makes sense. It was like right by the ocean. And it was crazy wind, and it probably had horrible locker room for the visitors. Anyway, conversely, Levi's has been the stone worst. So the Niners went from the best home field to the worst uh, for whatever uh, that. And it's just corporate, you know, different money, too. It's all. Uh, of course, but yeah, you're yeah. right. I'm, I'm sure the parking is a nightmare, too. But I definitely want to go to SoFi, which is I, I think most stadiums cost a billion to build. And that one cost five billion. So I definitely want to check that one out in person as soon as I can. I hear it's good. I hear it's good. I hear it's pretty nice, uh, but they are pretty much, you know, obviously we're working and everything. And I, I have plenty of buddies that work at the NFL Network and stuff like that, but it's pretty locked and key so far as like getting a tour because, you know, COVID, all that stuff. Anyways, I can't imagine anybody has enjoyed this little conversation <laughs> so far. So let, <laughs> before we do any more uh, Niners complaining, let's talk about another extremely fun team uh, with Niners connective tissue, actually, the New York Jets. Um, Mike White whoever that is no i mean mike white is is the new starting quarterback for the jets they traded for joe flacco dalton which is pretty unbelievable i actually have a lot of thoughts about this i i don't know how much i want to get into detail about it because like joe flacco was on the damn roster last year you should have had if it wasn't joe flacco the jets should have had some kind of backup plan anyways in place that wasn't like it was always on my radar that they had no nfl experience in their quarterback room especially when they're grooming a young quarterback now they go up and give up a fifth round pick for a guy in joe flacco who's not really gonna how much is joe flacco at this point gonna move the needle for them anyways like from a wins loss perspective and also who cares about the win loss perspective from the jets um but anyways he he's gonna start eventually for whatever reason too that's my other thought joe flacco why why are you still doing this bro like go home you have made 160 plus million dollars in your career like just go home like i know you must really love football but you're not even really playing i don't know anyways it that's on my radar too point is mike white is starting for the jets do you care at all from a fantasy angle obviously it's been one of the worst fantasy environments in the entire nfl uh, Magic Mike White, Mike White. I don't know anything about him either. Mike White is the name of the guy that he wrote my favorite TV show over the summer. The White Lotus was Mike White that I know. But True. I went back and looked. He got 10.5 YPA in college one season. Um, is he that big of a downgrade from Zach, the current version of Zach Wilson? I don't know. The Bengals, it feels like a trap for me in Survivor's big favorites here. I know they've just been rolling and look like one of the best teams in football. But I don't know. I'm kind of, I don't know. I, Mike White is a complete unknown and uh, with the way that, that Zach Wilson was playing, I mean, it, it's not crazy if he's a, an upgrade over the next couple of weeks. But, you know, this is a pretty bad team in fer- terms of fantasy. At least at least Carter looks like a, a feature back there. Yeah, that was the one note that I wanted to mention. Obviously, you'll just see from the box score that Michael Carter got a boost uh, in his pass catching role from the targets and catches. But legit was out there more often, ran more routes uh, than he has on any point. 60% of the dropbacks he did uh, obviously got the volume too. some of that. I think, look, like, again, how much do we care about the Jets? Like, I, we really do we really care that much? Like, I, I uh, did, uh, 
you know, a little campaign on our old NFL fantasy podcast years ago, hashtag never jets. It was very topical at that time because of the election, but like, uh, hashtag never jets. Like we just don't do jets in fantasy football. It's amazing that we're already back to this point with the jets. Like, and did we really ever leave hardly ever at this point? Like, I don't know that any, I want to play any jets player at all in fantasy, but Carter is interesting as like an RB three type of guy because of the past volume. And, you know, Mike white too, I will say this. I am at least curious how, a quarterback that's not Zach Wilson looks in this offense. Cause you know, this from watching the Niners, obviously so much that this is an offense. That's very much based on like the timing and the rhythm of the plays when it's being executed. Well, I mean, think about look and Mike white's not going to execute anything well, but he's going to at least try to execute the offense. That's like the whole thesis behind Jimmy G is that he's going to execute the offense, the timing, the rhythm, blah, 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 blah. They're not really doing that very well in San Francisco, but Zach Wilson is like the antithesis of that. He is like an out of structure playmaker. That's who he was in college. That's who he's been as a rookie. I think they're trying to groom that out of him at some point, but I'm at least interested to see what the offense looks like with a guy who actually wants to play within structure. And that could be Mike White. It could be Joe Flacco too. Interesting point because the Jets, I believe, are the only team in football yet to score a point in the first quarter. So those scripted plays, you know, but the coaching, yeah, the coaching doesn't, the coaching uh, disappointment doesn't end in San Francisco. It extends to their coaching tree in New York with that yeah. offense looking bad and Sala and, and Lafleur. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see how Mike White does, too, because he didn't fall on his face, you know, last week fa- facing the, the Belichick, you know, uh, defense. So, uh, yeah, that's something to pay attention to. We'll see if Corey Davis can, re- can maintain fantasy value. And, man, Elijah Moore's preseason feels like uh, years ago. Oh man, that guy ago. was so hyped. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and I think uh, watching Elijah Moore, like I think he gets open, but it's just th- this offense has no structure, no rhythm. Like I said with Zach Wilson, like I don't know. We don't need to talk anymore about the Jets, but like there's a lot to talk about there with the whole Zach Wilson thing and like the fit in this particular offense and being all in on this system. And I don't know, a lot to get into there, but nothing really that matters for fantasy. All right, what does matter for fantasy? That Rob Gronkowski is looking like he's going to be back, but on the flip side, Antonio Brown potentially could be out long term here Antonio Brown um, is currently walking with a crutch he missed last week Um, this comes in from Greg Alman from the athletic he's covered the team forever quote Arian says Antonio Brown has an ankle sprain near his heel this is now me paraphrasing too Uh, that sounds like Achilles or at least Achilles adjacent back to Greg Alman here and when asked if he could uh, be back after the bye for week 10 he said they don't know and it could be more long term so sounds like Brown's out for this week potentially out for week nine as well I mean obviously if you have Antonio Brown who I think was a locked in top 20 receiver basically every single week at the worst you're you're banged there but if you have Chris uh, Godwin and Mike Evans I mean those guys I think are wide receiver ones like set it and forget it when Antonio Brown misses time yeah legit both ones i have them both in my top 10 actually six and seven this week without a b obviously horrible news for brown but even this week facing the saints defense yeah they're good but um they've allowed the second fewest rushing yards to running backs so bucks are going to be throwing it uh, over unders 50 points they're going to force the saints to play faster than they want to also so yeah godwin and evans yeah, they're both among the league leaders in red zone targets and it's only going to be more without a b fire them up both top 10 options now with with brown out yeah, completely agree there. Another injury return here. Jerry Judy is back. He's going to play against Washington. That's very exciting to me. Uh, most for a couple of different reasons. Number one, obviously, I love Jerry Judy, the player. Like he looked like he was about to have an awesome season with Teddy Bridgewater uh, in those first couple reps we saw in Week One. You know, that being said, obviously the shine has kind of come off Teddy there in Denver. Uh, the longer that he's played, the more he's 
been Teddy Bridgewater. Also, the infrastructure of this team is pretty well off what we expected. Like the defense is, you would say, average, I think, at best right now. Like it's certainly not a top 10 difference making unit. You know, the offensive line has struggled as well. Teddy is also banged up. Cortland Sutton looks great, though. Um, I think a trio of Sutton at X, Patrick at flanker, and um, Jerry Judy in the slot. Like, that looks pretty good for Denver. What are your expectations with this passing game right now with Judy coming back? Yeah, Denver's defense has been a huge disappointment. Mike Clay thought the roster was the best in football. Hasn't even been even close when he put together, you know, just looking at the roster according to PFF grades entering the year. Yes, um, I, 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 I ranked um, Judy as a, I did the fearless forecast for 35 wide receivers or, and I, and I treated him as one of those, you know, a wide receiver three immediately, yeah. assuming obviously he's active, but you love this matchup. Washington's allowed the most passing touchdowns in the NFL this year, the second most fantasy points to fantasy wide receivers. So yeah, I'm firing up Judy if he's out there he looked like the next uh next star now Sutton it hurts his value no question but yeah. you know I think it kind of hurts both you know Judy you thought was going to be a monster maybe not if Sutton's uh knee injury he's put past him quicker than it may be expected so you're starting both of them if you have them especially in this matchup but um they both hurt each other's values and an offense it's not going to be throwing it a ton with Teddy Bridgewater Right. Yeah. That's the big problem is they're just not going it, to, it's what my problem with both of these guys all off season was, which is like, I think only one of them can hit. Uh, and now it's like, well, we know that Sutton can hit when Judy's out, but now it kind of throws a huge wrench into the equation. Yeah. And I think Tim Patrick is, is, you know, you got to push him, his expectations down. He already was kind of declining anyway. So it is what it is there. Noah fan too. I think Noah fan is also going to be thrown a little bit like that's a wrench into his outlook as well. But I think for Jerry Judy, he's going to make the offense better. He's going to be a better player than what they've had out there. So um, it is good news there couple other injury notes here uh Dawson Knox is out for a few weeks um does this make you interested in Tommy Sweeney at all uh or is this just more volume to the wide receivers um not not super I was you know I was thinking that tight ends actually not quite as dire as everyone worried about beginning with Dalton Schultz's emergence Pitts Pitts living up to expectations Goddard's going to be a monster with the Goddard and Ertz both created two more viable options and Gesicki's breaking out Hunter Henry's breaking out so there's been some options there um but uh, no, no. The answer is I, I, I think you don't have to go that deep. Then I mean, Knox was sure he was he was throwing his hat in the ring, but I don't think you need to go Sweeney until we see how it's used. This could just result in Gabriel Davis seeing more routes. So I would take Good. a wait and see approach before I would go the Sweeney route personally. Yeah, Gabe Davis actually, I'm sure he's widely available. He was a guy that people drafted a little too aggressively when Manny Sanders and I think Cole Beasley were both going to be clearly ahead of him no matter what all year. But it would be worth like maybe a speculative ad for Gabe sure, Davis sure. just in case. Like just in ca- if you have the bench room, which I don't know how you would at this point. But um, if you do, <laughs> like not the worst. Like it's – I didn't think Gabe Davis had a great rookie year. I think he had a long, long, long way to go to be like a down-in, down-out wide receiver from a route running and technique standpoint. And I think that's kind of been proven correct based on the fact that they barely use the guy and like these two veterans are killing it. Uh, but you know, like you said, could force them into f- more four wide receiver sets. Like Dawson Knox had emerged as a pretty key piece, and I do think this is a bump up for Cole Beasley too, because those two guys had kind of eaten into each other in terms of like middle of the field uh, targets. Um, you know, and Sanders and Diggs had kind of remained unharmed in their outside usage and everything. But I would say that Beasley might be a guy that gets the the clearest bump up uh, without Dawson Knox, and we'll have to see with the whole Tommy Sweeney and uh, old Gabe Davis thing. Yeah, it makes sense. And then Miami's secondary got healthier last week for what it's worth. Apropos of nothing, I'm going to throw out there a tight end sleeper while we're on the topic this week. Adam Troutman, okay. 
He's quietly running a ton of targets, way more than Johnson in New Orleans. And that team's just going to have to throw this week against Tampa Bay. I mean, the, the pass rate, just everyone goes through the roof against Tampa Bay. So I see Troutman seeing more targets and like as a sneaky uh, minimum DFS type guy. Yeah. And I mean, when you look at just the way that this team gives up production, I mean, they're, they've given up four uh, touchdowns to tight ends so far, have the, um, have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They've given up the most catches to tight ends, 48 uh, catches right now in the year. So yeah, (laughs) there you go. I mean, we know their secondary is problematic, but uh, that's just a, a, like we think about it for wide receivers, but it can also be true for tight ends. So that's a good call by you. I might uh, have to remember that myself uh, when making my own lineups. It's at least worth a shot. He's going to not be a guy that anybody else plays. So there you go. All right. Speaking of Miami, you brought it up. Houston Chronicle reports that the uh, Dolphins and Texans have agreed on trade terms for Watson, but Dol- the Dolphins want his legal issues resolved before consummating a deal. Um, good luck with that. <laughs> Uh, They also suggest that Steven Ross wants clarity from Roger Goodell on length of potential suspension. Uh, That sounds like a, like a scandal, like (laughs) waiting to happen. You know, it's like if an owner is able to just go to Roger Goodell and be like, Hey, so um, thinking about making a trade, but just before I do uh, Raj, uh, Hey, how about you? um, How about you just let me know what you're thinking about suspension wise. And that will dictate my moves. I don't think you can do that. uh, Okay. Like if you're an owner, so there's that. And just, yeah, there's, if teams want, apparently the Panthers, according to Ian Rapport have already bowed out of this whole thing, which also like may or may not be because Watson has only waived his no trade clause to go to Miami. And that's it, which that seems like a strange choice to me if you're Deshaun Watson, but I mean, Deshaun Watson clearly might not be the best decision maker in the world for what we know. So I don't know, Dalton, my, my instinct all along has been that a, he doesn't get traded and B, even if he does, I don't really care about what all these reporters say. Like it's still strains belief that the NFL who, you know, I, I don't know if anybody cares about this take, but like they, they just, threw John Gruden's ass out of the league for, you know, what for being a scumbag and like, oh, then you're going to, you know, let Deshaun Watson take the field. I, I know that the NFL is cold and calculated and business wise, but that seems like a, a you just waiting to take the PR nightmare there. So it always sort of strained belief to me that he would ever be allowed to play this year. But even if he did, you'd ha- he'd have to get traded first. And I just don't think if the Dolphins really want him to have his legal issues cleared up before they make a trade that ain't happening buddy like that's just not gonna that's just not gonna go down so i feel like this trade is it's like five percent that this happens before the deadline yeah the report of his availability immediately surprised me but i would still remain highly skeptical that watson plays a snap this year in the nfl um i'm gonna go a different route here even though my jalen hurts uh real life player uh, under you know not as bad as people say has not aged well the last couple weeks i'm gonna go a different route and defend Tua, and i just would yeah. not write him i would not write him off just yet uh depending on your scoring he finished either first second or third among fantasy qbs last week and i know the yp hasn't been there and part of it has been the volume but how about this one sack on 87 dropbacks the last two weeks with a horrible offensive line and i am yep. of the belief that qbs are you know it is a sacks or a qb stat very much so he threw six touchdowns um i would rather a quarterback make some horrible interceptions which he did last week two just awful ones but then look great make some wow plays when they're young and learning than someone who made neither you know without you know not the wow plays but also not the horrible interceptions so this hip surgery was like bo jackson serious i mean give mm-hmm. the guy a year away from it so i i'm still i'm not selling to a stock i think that it, whatever maybe obviously i'd rather justin herbert i get it that was a bad draft pick but um i don't know man i'm 
still uh, I'm still intrigued by, by Tua. No, I'm 100% with you. In terms of on-target percentage, and I know this is a smaller sample because Tua has only played a handful of games. He's been hurt this year. The rankings uh, go Kyler Murray, 84.9%, according to Pro Football Reference. And Tua is number two at 83.6. Like, I think he has been... <laughs> we know that Tua does not have a ceiling, right? Like, I don't think he is yeah. suddenly going to... Because, especially because of the mobility part of it. Like, he looked like a dangerous rushing threat at different points in his college career. But like you said, he had this devastating hip injury where there was questions about, like, man, is this guy ever going to walk again? Like, he's having to change his entire play style to this point. And I think he's like... I don't know. I mean, he's probably... I would say best case scenario, like, um, I don't know, like maybe Andy Dalton, like an Andy Dalton level starter. That that sounds bad because like Andy Dalton's a punching bag now. But I'm talking about like Bengals Andy Dalton, you know, when like you put enough good pieces around him, you can go to the playoffs. He You can be a guy that he can be a guy that you that you lift up and he can be competent or whatever, you know, maybe even like a Jimmy G type of quarterback, you know, you can put him in a system that works. I don't know that he is going to be like a long-term elite quarterback. Like I'm comfortable selling on that idea, but I think he can be a reasonable serviceable starter for the dolphins that you don't want to, um, that you don't want to like give a contract extension to Accord- apparently, uh, Scott Pianowski called to a, a left-handed Chad Pennington on Monday's show. Tough scene. Uh, but, I mean, that's still fine. Like, Chad Pennington had his moments for these Miami Dolphins. Yeah. According to some nerd stats, Pennington was, like, the most underrated player in NFL history. Oh, yeah. Like, he was just the most <laughs> accurate guy ever. But Tua, 13, He just had no arm strength. He couldn't push right. the ball down Especially after that surgery. Yeah, especially after yeah. that surgery. Um, I believe Randy Moss called him the best quarterback he ever played with, too, because they were both at Marshall uh, together. Tua, 13 career starts, we're talking. He's produced 22 touchdowns in those. And, again, the first year recovering from major, major surgery. He put up video game numbers in college. I understand the, the situation around him was perfect. But I don't know. I think his ceiling maybe. Uh, I view it a little bit higher than you do at this point, but uh, I'm on the limb here. People are ready to, you know, to write him off and uh, we'll see. We'll see. I would say he's not the the worst of their problems. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even know that he is a problem at this point. Like you could, I think he's a guy, what I mean by what, like the Andy Dalton. And I think the Chad Pennington comparison too, is that he is a guy you can win with, but not win because. Fair, and it's yeah, like, that's fair. Hey, yeah. Hey, Dolphins, you could use a guy that you could win with. But you can't win doing anything else. Like his, this is not a good situation around him. So, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough situation there. But I, do, I think two is starting them for them the rest of this year, and then you know he could be elsewhere if they really want to do their Deshaun Watson thing. But I think they've got bigger problems than two, and I think we agree on that. Last piece of news here, because um, I know you've got thoughts on this, and we have to do our Niners weekly uh, segment. If we didn't, if what we did earlier didn't already count, uh, Javon Kinlaw may need season-ending knee surgery. Yeah, I'll the make floor this, is yours. Yeah, I'll make this quick. In the 2020 draft, the 49ers needed a wide receiver very, very badly, and C.D. <sighs> Lamb fell to them. It just, uh, I, I can't believe it did. He did. Even Jerry Judy fell to them, and even Justin Jefferson. That's more in hindsight. Judy and Lamb were like stars in the making sure things, and they certainly look like it now. Instead, they traded to Forrest Buckner, who recently said that you know I wanted to meet in the middle. The contract I went yeah, and I met with Shanahan, and then decided to draft Javon Kinlaw over the Judy and C.D. Lamb, and I. 
I don't like hindsight stuff, especially drafts, man. Drafts are hard. I mean, Bill, Bill Belichick gets it wrong all the time. Um, but there was red flags all over Kinlaw's knee at the time. I read it. Yep. it was, I mean, I read it beforehand. If I can read it, I'm, I'm assuming Shanahan saw the report, but gigantic red flags saying this is going to be a career-long problem. Okay, so we're his second year in the league, and Javon Kinlaw is now out for the season with this chronic knee issue that's not going to get better after this surgery. And, oh, at least we got – his plan was at least we got a receiver later in that draft – Brandon Ayuk, right? At least he's encouraging him and, him and really helping him. Yeah. Like, so anyway, instead of CD Lamb, we have Kin, a broken Kinlaw and a, a broken Brandon Ayuk. But I'm not bitter or anything. But uh, okay, that that was it. That was it. <laughs> I mean, also by the way, you know, uh, you said that you had a take on this Kinlaw thing, uh, and. You've said that I've heard you say that at least like 30 times this year. And and I mean, like you've been saying this is going to happen. Like you, you've been saying that this was a bad move, like this whole Javon Kinlaw situation. And I'm with you, man. Like the funny thing about the Brandon Ayuk thing is that and there's a lot of unfunny things about it. And most of them involve like it's killing me inside personally. But, um, you know, that was an aggressive pick by Kyle Shanahan. Not everybody agreed that Brandon Ayuk was like a first round pick. I know um, Daniel Jeremiah really liked him. And you know, I, I really respect DJ's opinion, and everything like that. But I mean, there were a lot of folks that said Brandon Ayuk was not a first round like caliber receiver. And then he goes out and has this freaking yeah, awesome know, rookie yeah. year. And it's like, yeah. you look good, Shanahan. And now, I mean, it's just. It's a nightmare. Yeah, I, Nikhil I, Harry was playing over him at ASU, but no, Ayuk was really good. I don't understand what the Shanahan issue is. It's so yeah. weird, the doghouse thing. And sorry if I repeated myself, but it worked perfectly here because Buckner just went into Santa Clara. You know, that they faced the Colts defense right there. Yeah. He, he He's talking about it in the media too. So it's just fitting that Kinlaw goes on the IR three days later. Hey, I didn't actually know the part about that uh, Buckner said he was like willing to meet them in the middle. I, it's a bad person. Like they make a lot of bad personnel decisions there, man. They make a lot of, and uh, you know, a lot of times people can point to when the coach has this much control over personnel, like, cause we all know John Lynch is doing whatever Kyle Shanahan wants. It's like, you end up in a lot of bad positions. Look at the Raiders with John Gruden, you know, even honestly, like you could start to point fingers at the chiefs with Andy Reid, like having that much control over personnel. They've made, you know, they've made a lot of like, well, let's just fix, like, let's just fix this offense move. Like, let's just get Clyde Edwards, a Let's get me Cole Hardman, like things you don't really need. Uh, and then, Oh, let's go trade for a first round tackle. Like let's go trade for Orlando Brown. He doesn't fit the system. All these picks on offense haven't worked. I don't know. It's a, Hey, it's a Hey, Guess where Buckner's Colts uh, run defense ranks in DVOA this year? It's like first, right? They're it's first. number one. It's number one. Yeah. Kind of a value. Yeah, mean- anyway. Yeah, yeah, meanwhile, yeah. meanwhile, the Lions are, I mean, the Lions, that's a, that's a Freudian, Freudian slip there. Meanwhile, the 49ers are uh, giving up like explosive runs at the hot, one of the highest rates in the league, including the Jonathan Taylor on the Colts. I mean, oh my God, what a nightmare. Freaking Niners, dude. I, I did my, they're obviously this week was my, um, what I got wrong for the fantasy football survival kit uh, video. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of talk of the 49ers. And I was just like, I can't, bl- I, I, I don't feel bad about the Brandon IU kite because I don't really see how we could have seen this situation coming at all. Pure, but what I feel bad about Dalton. And I, as I say this, as we're still talking about the 49ers, I feel bad about the amount of earth seconds I wasted in my life, your life, um, all the other co-hosts life, the listeners, the viewers, Brett, 
John, all of our producers, I feel bad for the time I wasted so much time wasted talking about the 49ers. And like, there's no team I hate more than right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I want to throw one more thing. And that's Debo is now missing practice with a calf injury. Dude has a long <laughs> his, injury history. So if he yeah, goes Jesus. down, Ayuk will be absolutely picked up in all fantasy leagues if Debo, if this injury is more than just him missing practice. But yeah, all right. Let's talk about a, a better, and a then, team, and better then they'll have, and then he'll like still, he'll still be, he'll still be running wind sprints out there just just getting his cardio in right, uh right. not not no and doubt. Muhammad Sanu will get 10 targets and we'll all hate ourselves so that's that's the experience what a, what a what a fun season anyways you know who's not having a fun season uh we're moving now into the stats trends that we we t- I talked a lot about the news there so we might be a little more rapid fire with the stats than usual but I did want to start off talking about Washington you know, they're 10th right now in neutral pace. They're 30th in rushing EPA. RIP to Antonio Gibson, another one of the guys I drafted on, like, every team. In that same video I mentioned where people, you know, sent in what I got wrong, I was, like, bracing for a bunch of Antonio Gibson because I, I, I talked about him so much, and he's on all of my teams, but no one no one sent in Antonio Gibson. It was just all Allen Robinson and Brandon IU because, like, whew, got away <laughs> with one on that. Uh, but Antonio Gibson, obviously, we know the situation there. Washington, though, I still want to hold out hope for this offense in like, you know, maybe late November, December, because they have a week nine bye, and there's a lot of guys that could come back for them later in the season. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to get an MRI in, in two weeks and they'll evaluate him. Then I still think there's a chance that as long as Washington is mildly, even if they're not like mildly competitive, that Fitz could play for them this year. There's also a chance that Logan Thomas comes back. Uh, Curtis Samuel, we know, has been dealing with injuries all year. Deami Brown is now hurt as well. I mean, it is a skeleton crew there, but do you have any optimism for this Washington offense, or is it just all Terry McLaurin and log out? Yeah, it is mostly that, but they moved the ball actually last week. Taylor Heineke finished as like the fifth leading rusher last week among all runners. Um, it is, uh, we're, we're, you know, struggled in the red zone. But um, yeah, my main takeaway is our guy, Scary Terry. I believe he's among the league leaders in end zone targets even this year. Yeah. So loving it, man. Loving him. I wish he would actually, he'd be a first round fantasy guy if he had a, yeah. you know, a legit quarterback in one of these years. But love seeing him get the targets. But yeah, there's not, a Gibson thing's frustrating. You know, he has not seen the targets as, as hoped. Yeah, McLaurin is like top five in weighted opportunity. He's top five in targets, air yards. He's actually like, there's a huge gap between, I think I might have said this on the podcast last week, between his like contested targets and everybody else. And, you know, obviously the end zone work is is part of it. But I mean, Heineke just flings that thing up there, tries to write yeah. those checks that his arm just can't cash. But man, you're right, dude. If, if he ever got, it's the Stefan Diggs thing. Like if he, you know, when Diggs was, Diggs and Terry McLaurin, I think are like so similar, just the same player. And, you know, frickin' Stefan Diggs went from Kirk Cousins, which is fine. Like, if if Kirk Cousins was still with Washington, we'd be all the way gassed up about Terry McLaurin. But, like, you saw that jump there. Imagine the jump from frickin' Taylor Heineke. You could actually cash in on the elite top five usage that Terry McLaurin gets. But that exists in another world. And even if Fitzpatrick gets back, that's, like, the upgrade to the maybe middle that we were ever hoping for. But I don't know. I still have some hope on this Washington offense. And I at least want to take a flag that for folks out there that, you know, Logan Thomas sounds like he's going to come back. Um, and we'll see as they get healthier that they might be a team to at least watch for in the second half of the year. One guy I want to pick your brain on is Kyle Pitts. Uh, Kyle Pitts is averaging 127 air yards per game the last three weeks. No other tight end is over 100. I mean, to show you the vertical usage that Pitts has been getting, that is the perfect example. Dalton, 
you might tell me there uh, you've already made this move, but and I've already made this move. But what should be stopping people from placing Kyle Pitts as the tight end two rest of season? Nothing. He's looked so good. The one-handed catch, he lines up outside uh, more than any other, I believe in the slot more than any tight end also this year. Um, I said in my column Sunday night that he'll be number one fantasy tight end on a lot of people's boards next year. I, I was starting to say unanimously, but maybe not unanimously, but I'm certain it'll be people like, you know, who are extra aggressive like myself over a 33-year-old Kelsey. I mean, maybe Kelsey goes crazy the second half this year, but man, with what Pitts is doing is special his rookie year. And uh, yeah, with Waller going down, yeah. Oh, no, he's the number two fantasy tight end for me moving forward this year. And then next year, I could see him atop uh, most draft boards entering the year. Yeah, it looks like a special, special talent. I mean, it's frustrating that he wasn't unleashed uh, the first couple weeks of the year, but it's finally happening. And yeah, he just looks like the real deal. I'm pretty, I know this is totally, this is like Dalton level aggressive, but honestly, like, I think give it two more weeks, he could be tight end one over Kelsey rest of season. Like, I think Kelsey is look. He's banged up too. Kelsey's playing banged up or something. Yeah, yeah. He's hurt. I don't think he looks as good as usual. I think that's part of the problem for Kansas City right now is that like both of their superstars are. You know, we talked. I just complained about this at the top. Like they drafted all these other guys, like these cute little pieces, and then they haven't worked out, and it's still just all Hill and Kelsey. And like now Hill and Kelsey are banged up, and I think especially Kelsey has been hurt. He's still the tight end one in fantasy, but like. You know, with the way Kyle Pitts is like, literally the Dolphins were yeah. so fed up with him crushing their, like, you know, linebackers and safeties. They try to, you know, line up Xavier Howard, who's a great cornerback on the outside, and he still crushes him. I, I think this, I think this Falcons team has figured it out. The air yards have been way, way improved over the last month. They can't run it. Mike Davis, I, Pitts, number one from here on out. I'm with you. I would rather him from right. here on out more than any fantasy tight end from this week forward. So if I you think. have, if you have, if you have Travis Kelsey, I would at least like, because at the very least, it's not a, like, I think they might at least need to join the same tier, you know, coming into the year, it was Travis Kelsey tier of his own, Darren Waller and George Kittle kind of in that, in that next tier. And honestly, you could have gone like tier, tier, tier for each of the three tight ends. That's how just like different these guys were. I at least think it's a conversation about having those guys in the same tier. And like, maybe you just downgrade, like you go, if you have Travis Kelsey, like try to cash in on name value, like make a trade with the Kyle Pitts manager and like get Kyle Pitts plus like another plus, little piece yeah, or something. Totally. Yeah. I bet you could do it just on name value. And the fact that Kelsey has still been very good, but you know, if you have Kelsey, you're fine. Don't, don't complain too much. We all would love to have Travis Kelsey on our fantasy team. All right. Um, another player. I actually think T Higgins is an interesting guy to talk about as a potential buy low over the last three weeks. 9.3 targets per game, 94 air yards per game. Look, Dalton, Jamar Chase, if you if it was possible, if it was already like possible to not be um oh, we have a breaking trade news. Uh we'll I'll I'll spoil it after this uh T Higgins discussion. Spoiler alert, it's Mark Ingram to the Saints. <laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> uh anyways, if it was possible to be any more excited about Kyle uh, uh, um, Jamar Chase, which I didn't think it was possible. I went back and started charting this guy. Uh, oh my God, dude, he's good at everything. He's like, he, he might be, he might be like a top 12, top 10 receiver right now. I mean, and Justin Jefferson was that way last year. Like you go back and watch his film, like beyond just what he's putting up statistically. And it was like, Oh, Justin Jefferson is already one of the 10 best receivers in football last year. It's like now Jamar chase is doing that exact same thing. And he might be even more impressive just because he's so good at everything. And he's such, such a good downfield receiver. That being said, 
there's still a lot of opportunity here for T. Higgins, who didn't convert on it last week. But I think the fact that the Bengals are throwing the ball more and throwing it aggressively can be good news for guys like T. Higgins. So I love Jamar Chase. Who doesn't? How he's looked. It's been amazing. The most receiving yards ever over the first seven games to start a career. But his expert consensus ranking this week is the wide receiver three, which seems just a bit aggressive given his volume. Here's a Derek Cardi tweet. Uh, in five games when all three Cincy wide receivers have played together, Higgins has the highest target share at 28%. Chase, 23.7. Tyler Boyd, 17%. Higgins saw 15 targets last week. I know the ADOTS uh, hasn't been great, but he's third in the league in red zone target share. After the Bengals were run heavy, you know, and Burrow dealing with coming off knee surgery, um, they've been uh, first in situation neutral pass rate uh, over the past month. So I like the setup for Higgins moving forward big time. And I, I, I love Chase, but to me, I don't know. The volume, they're treating him like he's a, a, right now a top five fantasy wideout. I don't know. Maybe. I, I, don't, I don't know. The volume hasn't quite been there for that. I think he's a little bit overperforming. But what do you think, Harmon? Well, he's definitely overperforming compared to his volume. There's no doubt about that. But it's like as long as the Bengals keep throwing it more, I don't think we can really care about Like I wouldn't call him like a regression candidate or something like that. I mean, okay. yeah, from a from a math perspective, he is technically a, a regression candidate just because he's not going to continue to score um, points and touchdowns and, and vertical shots at the clip that he's doing. But, I mean, I have him wide receiver 15 in my rest of season rankings. Like he, he's not oh. a – yeah, I, I, he's still like a, a high end two, low end one. I mean, he's gonna he won't produce like this every single you know every single like, but he's great. I mean, he is great. Like he is legitimately as good as the production says. Like because he is he is gr- already great at everything. He's great in traffic. He's great at running routes. He's great at getting off the line of scrimmage. He's great after the catch. Like everything you want in a wide receiver, that is Jamar Chase, man. So, um, but I do think T Higgins is. Like that volume, I think coming into the NFL, T. Higgins was more impressive last year in like a vertical sense than I thought he would be. But I still think he's more like a long time, you know, number two possession receiver. And he just needs volume. And getting all those targets last week, like I just don't think he played a good game against the Ravens, which is fine because the Ravens are a great defense. And like if you're a great player like Jamar Chase, you can still beat a great defense. I think T Higgins is a good player, not a great player, but as long as he's a good player in an offense that's starting to throw the ball more, I think he is a buy low in fantasy. Coaching staff went crazy about him during the preseason. He showed up, you know, just looking like a much better player in year two and he suffered an injury. So maybe he's just getting yeah. back into shape. He's earning those targets. Uh, Joe Burrow, what is YPA is leads AFC, I believe second only to Russell Wilson. Um, so, and, and the fact that their pass rates gone from run heavy to the number one in neutral situation. So the volume is, is going to remain there. Yeah. I'm really, in on Higgins and I, I feel like the trade market nice. is not going to value him that way yeah I think he is a guy that won't like be because he wasn't a huge huge name coming into this year all the shine is on Chase I think he's a guy that you could get um for like a nice little bargain like I, if you're Tra- if you're the Travis Kelsey man this is just like giving an example if you're the Travis Kelsey manager Kyle Pitts and T Higgins together I think would be like a really nice uh get for you um Love anyways it. Move on from there. We Dalton, we have some breaking news on the podcast. Um, thrilling news. It's a trade. It's not a Deshaun Watson trade, <laughs> but it does involve the Texans. Dalton, the Texans are trading Mark Ingram to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram reunited again. Boom. Look at that. 
you probably need to add Ingram with Tony Jones on IR in that system. And with Kamara getting worked so hard, it makes sense they'd want to add another back there, man. Uh, and then uh, Philip Lindsay had been completely not being even seeing the field lately in Houston. So I guess now he's at least back on the on the radar. But nothing very exciting with David Johnson or anything. But um, I do think Ingram's interesting now, just given the environment do, in yeah. New Orleans. Yeah, certainly more so than even even getting the volume in Houston. I actually find him more interesting fantasy-wise as a stash on your oh, bench yeah. right now than trying to squeeze him in your flex as Houston's feature back. Yeah, and they needed something else. Like, I don't think they could continue to, like, pound Camaro with the carries, like, that he was getting. Um, like, the way they used him on Sunday night against the stupid – or Monday night against the stupid Seahawks. Mm. Oh, my God. I mean, Seattle, wh- you should be ashamed of yourself. Like, how are you watching Alvin Kamara just take all these little flat routes, like, little just quick quick routes out of the backfield and giving up all that production? Like, have you ever watched Alvin Kamara before? Yeah, that was, was so ridiculous. it was so I mean, I had I had the over on his receiving yards and his total yards and all that stuff. So, like, I didn't care. I wasn't frustrated about it. But for just from like a football perspective, I was like, that is very irritating. It was like um, bad weather, too. No one was throwing the ball down the field. No, it was it was horrible. Seattle. Seattle's given up a ton of yards this season. Yeah, they suck. They're they're one of the worst teams to watch in the NFL right now. But I do think Ingram is interesting there, obviously, with Tony Jones on IR, as you mentioned. And, and yeah, I mean, look, like. They want to play kind of a boring um, Gen X boomer style of football. (laughs) So, like, I guess Ingram could end up getting like 10 plus carries a week. I could see that happening. Yeah, but for me, it's more a stash. If Kamara goes down, boom, there you got upside. That's that's what I'm most interested for Ingram. Basically how you felt about Tony Jones. And like he was a guy that I would have put on rosters. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Except Ingram's just a more proven player. Um, We'll see. Speaking of Saints, former New Orleans Saint and current Houston Texans, see it all comes together. We talked about T. Higgins as a buy low. I think Brandon Cooks is like a great buy low right now. Tyrod Taylor might come back this week at the very uh, worst. It sounds like he is extremely close to being back. Brandon Cooks in weeks five through seven ranked 15th among wide receivers in percentage of team air yards, 20th in percentage of team targets, 22nd in targets per game. Now in weeks one through three, Dalton, he was first in percentage of team air yards, second in team targets, uh, and fifth in targets per game. I mean, the usage for Brandon cooks was amazing. The first three weeks, um, no shock. Like he's had three terrible games with Davis mills, like, you know, under 50 yards receiving, like, of course, because it's Davis Mills. But I think if Tyrod Taylor gets back, like Brandon Cooks immediately becomes, you know, a, a set it and forget it wide receiver two every single week again. Oh, totally agree. He's uh, tied for first in Whopper with Devontae Adams. So no receiver in football has been given more of an opportunity this year. Over the first two weeks of the year, more than 200 yards, his touchdown. And Tyrod Taylor played six quarters of those games. So, yeah, if, if Taylor's back, wheels up for Cooks. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um. Who's like an overperforming player that you could you would send maybe for like an underperforming guy like for Brandon Cooks? Like I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Overperforming, yeah. I'm always bad at the the trade options. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. None jumps out of my. I don't know. You got any? What about like a? No, I don't either. I mean, I just like try to get <laughs> no, no, I don't. Uh, but try to get yeah, maybe try to get a couple like throw together a couple crappy little pieces and try to get up to Brandon Cooks. I think it would at least be worth it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like maybe uh, I don't know. Who knows? That was a terrible segment. Uh, what at what least you couldn't answer time. one too, so I don't feel as bad. But that that's fair. Yeah, go after Brandon Cooks is the bottom line. Every league's different. Every trade is is different. But that guy's going to perform much better than he than his cosmetic stats look like so far. 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think he is a great buy low right now. Last thing here in the stats section before we uh, talk about Thursday Night Football, Khalil Herbert is ninth in rushing yards over expectation. Ironically enough, David Montgomery is 10th. Um, I think Khalil Herbert looks like a guy for the Bears, you know, like a guy that they can build around. Obviously, Damian Williams didn't practice very much last week, like if he even practiced at all. He just got activated off the COVID list on Saturday. They obviously played on Sunday. But Khalil Herbert ran pretty well against the rough Bucks uh, run defense there. I guess, like, obviously Herbert is a guy you're playing every single week. Against your Niners this week, the team that I mentioned that gives up all those explosive runs, he's definitely, I think, a top 15-ish play. What about when David Montgomery gets back? Like, David Montgomery was having a great season. They were using him as a workhorse. Do you think there's any shot that, like, these guys kind of split carries or um, anything like that? So Dearness Johnson also jumped off the tape watching him, but so is Herbert, oh, yeah. man. You, man, you mentioned it. Against the Bucks last week, running for 100 yards, that team has allowed an NFL low 51.3 rushing yards per game to running backs this year, and that counts the 100 yards they just gave up. So having said that, I do think this is Montgomery's backfield once he returns from injury, but Herbert may take more of the pie than, say, Damian Williams would have. But I think it's going to go back to Montgomery, but Herbert is is beyond being on the radar. And in the meantime, you said it, sure, top 15 option uh put Damian Williams aside and he looks like yeah, the, the team's clear feature back obviously there's issues on the offensive line and quarterback there in Chicago but that was really eye-opening what he did in Tampa Bay last week no one does that against that run defense yeah exactly I mean I yeah you're definitely playing him and it will just be interesting to see the split between these guys and you know I think Khalil Herbert is a guy that is going to be like he's a guy for the Bears so he'll be like their yeah. RB2 um you know the rest of the way so or the rest of like until his rookie little little rookie contract or David Montgomery's rookie contract ends we'll we'll see um all right let's talk about Thursday night football it's the Packers versus uh, COVID this week cuz you know, it's like it's like 2020 all over again, man. We've got like a whole position group that is just in trouble here. Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard. Well, Devontae Adams, is he officially out out? I mean, because yeah, he didn't make the trip. He didn't make the trip. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so he didn't he didn't make the trip. I didn't see that before we started recording. He didn't make the trip. We know Alan Lazard because he's not vaccinated, was not going to get cleared in time to play in this game. What a talk, talk about wasting precious earth seconds talking about the 49ers. What a lot of wasted hot air we all had when it's like Alan Lazard available at 96 percent of yahoo leagues gotta pick him up gotta pick boom he's gone uh so mvs oh, yeah, i recorded it i recorded a fearless forecast too i thought i was being sneaky i'm like ooh, lazard yeah i moved him up definitely recorded yeah. yeah yeah wasted time in my life for sure yeah hey we've all we're all just wasting time here that we're never gonna be get, <laughs> we're never yeah, gonna get back sure. if, uh, if, sure. if if you really want to think about it so anyways uh more positive notes here MVS, like he might come back he's currently on ir we'll see uh for him other than that man it's like it's randall cobb show the Equinemius St. Brown, Malik Taylor got activated off the COVID list. He had a pretty decent preseason. Is it just Randall Cobb and Bob Tunyon here or, or anything else you're interested in? Yeah, it's tough to trust MVS, my guy, uh, coming off a hamstring injury without practice in a short week. Feels yeah, like that's kind of that's being, forced, being forced there. Um, so El Evan Silva dug it up, and he said that the Packers are 6-0 and without Devontae oh, Adams, yeah. which is surprising. Aaron Rodgers' stats, stats are bonkers with it, yeah. without him. 
they're actually averaging more fantasy points. Now, of course, this is different. A short week on the road against Arizona's number two pass defense in, in DVOA and without any wide receivers. That doesn't help either. But um, that was pretty interesting, the fact that, you know, he doesn't feel maybe compelled to force it one way or whatever. But the other big spl- uh, big splitzer with Aaron Jones with or without uh, Adams on the field. Yeah. And his fantasy points go way higher without Adams. So even in a not great looking matchup and disappointing last week in a favorable looking matchup, uh, Aaron Jones is still getting the targets. And uh, yeah, I like him without Adams big time. I think he's going to be the the focal point of Green Bay's offense. I mean, is Devontae Adams worth three points? I mean, this game was three, maybe three and a half, and now I, it's six yeah. and a half. I mean, I love Devontae Adams, but I mean, even forgetting the, the weird stats we just talked about, three points for a wide receiver seems like gigantic. I guess Lazard, and it becomes a, a volume issue at some point, but it seems like a, a big jump to me in the, in the spread, an overcompensation, if you will. I think it jumped. Didn't it just jump when Adams got ruled out? Not even the whole Lazard right. thing. So, yeah, right. I mean, it was pretty that was pretty interesting to me. I mean, Devontae Adams is the best receiver in football. So, I mean, I guess you got to give him some respect, but it's still Aaron Rodgers who can find those matchups. And, um, you know, I do think honestly, not joking, like this is where the Randall Cobb thing does come into play. Um, you know, like they have instant chemistry like this is a lot better than you know some goofball uh you know coming up and having a play for the Packers like this Malik Taylor guy or whatever it's like oh this is a guy in Randall Cobb that Aaron Rodgers knows trusts yada yada Bob Tunyon too man like he's been ultra disappointing like several games in single digit receiving yards but did pop back up last week he is still third on the team in routes run like there's really not been anything wrong with his playing time it just he just hasn't been getting volume well, shoot, he's going to get volume in this game. And just to echo, yeah, I completely echo your point on Aaron Jones. Like, he's 28 bucks in our daily game. Like, you got to play him, man, because I think they've done some really good creative stuff with him as a red zone pass catcher. And we know Arizona does rank 32nd in explosive run rates, run rate allowed. So, like, I think that's the biggest thing for the Packers is they're just going to try to be extremely run heavy in this game. That said, I agree with the Tunyon call. I had him ranked way too low. I just moved into my top 10 this week. The volume's going to be there. Um, in this matchup. And then on the other side, uh, pay attention to Andre Hopkins. He's uh, been missing practice with a newer injury. Um, obviously, they've just been spreading it around yeah. there, especially now with Zach Ertz uh, back. And Kyler Murray weirdly hasn't run mm-hmm. much the last uh, few games. I don't know if that's a injury issue or whatever. He's certainly throwing the ball well, but um, should be a fun matchup. It really does. Uh, it's unfortunate that COVID hit uh, Green Bay at I this, know, yeah. at this ju- juncture because a Thursday night matchup hasn't looked this good on paper in forever. Seriously. I mean, it's is it not, it's an undefeated team. It's 6-1 versus 7-0 team right i mean that's pretty pretty sick for a thursday night yeah well packers haven't lost since uh, that fluky week one thing against the saints i agree man it's a bummer and you your note on deandre hopkins is good jj watt also ruled out he has a shoulder issue as well so the texans contingent is out for the arizona cardinals and i'm just looking at our daily fantasy game this week man why is christian kirk the lowest price receiver on this freaking team i mean you've got James White slash Rondale Moore uh, is the as the second most expensive receiver on this team. Uh, the guy's got the shortest a dot by a mile among wide receivers. Hence the um, James White dig that I just sent there at him. Like you can't play Rondale Moore when all these other guys are healthy, man. Like he's just never going to get enough volume and he, to hit home on that a dot. And Christian Kirk has been good. Like Christian Kirk has been productive for this team you know he scored touchdowns in back-to-back games like I think he's a good player this year you know he has in four of six games this year he has 60 plus yards and or a touchdown so like I think Christian Kirk at 14 bucks it's only one dollar fewer than uh, AJ Green who I also think AJ Green is in play if uh, Jair Alexander is still out again so like yeah 
I, I don't know. I just wanted to say that about Christian Kirk because I thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah, I think Kirk has like a 45% chance of outproducing a banged up DeAndre Hopkins, and he's half the salary. Hopkins is getting it done touchdown-wise more than all of last season, but the targets have just really not been there. I mean, you could call it a little bit lucky oh, so yeah. far, his fantasy yep. production, and he's legitimately banged up now in a short week, and I like how Kirk has been performing. And then... um and then who else I was going to say? Oh, Chase Edmonds also, I was going to say, he quietly separated himself from Connor yeah, last week. And yet in the Yahoo, in the Yahoo DFS game, it's Connor that's 20 and, and Edmonds is 15. I get it that it's half PPR, so touchdowns matter more and Connor's the goal line guy, so it kind of makes some sense. But but Edmonds at 15 is a pretty good, uh, pretty good price. Six and a half point favorites, Arizona Cardinals too. Like that is the type of game script you'd want to use, James Connor. Uh, I got so it. I think that sure. is probably part of it too, maybe. I don't know. But um, yeah, I think that when you look at the whole... Um, the whole receiver core there. I think also Zach Ertz, like if you have Zach Ertz, you're playing him on Thursday night. Like he's what he's like a, oh, he's yeah. a, yeah, yeah. He's a huge, um, he's a huge play. Uh, one last thing here, uh, before we leave the show and it's cause it's a topic we talked or several topics we talked about earlier. We got a tweet from Brandon cooks. Adam Schefter retweeted this. That's how I saw it. This is bullshit. Such a joke says Brandon cooks. I'm assuming that's about the Mark Ingram trade. He's pissed. Ah, oh, his buddies. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I mean they're buddies, and like also it's just oh, this is uh, we're giving up on the season. I guess. I mean, I don't right. know. It's interesting. Right. Brandon Cooks yeah. is a guy that might move at the trade deadline. I kind of sneaky think the trade deadline. I we think we say this every year, and it ends up being a letdown. But I think it could be sneaky interesting this year. Uh, you know, there's a lot of names that could move November set before the November second. Uh, yeah deadline cooks is 100 percent the guy that could be moved in and if tyrod taylor came back and i had cooks on my fantasy team i'd want him to stay put i mean yeah. maybe he gets traded the chiefs and you get like excited oh he's on the chiefs now Packers. but man oh, i no. just love his i'd love a top five target share from tyrod taylor over the second half of the year is what i would be rooting for yeah i kind of agree with you and you know if you're and i'm a big tyrod guy you know the pride of virginia's tech uh, you know, I'm a big Tyra guy, pride of Hampton, uh, Hampton Roads, Virginia. I don't need to have him throwing a friggin' Chris Conley and Chris Moore and Nico Collins the rest of the year. Like, let's keep Brandon Cooks there <laughs> just for the sake of Tyra Taylor. Anyways, it's a lot of Brandon Cooks talk. That is going to do it for us. Dalton, <laughs> what do you got coming up this week, man? Not much. Yeah, I have a sit start column on Friday. Don't and say not me much. On Twitter, don't man. say not much. Don't yeah, say not what much. What am I talking about? I wish, <laughs> yeah. That's not true, actually. It's not even nice. close to true. Too many podcasts, too much stuff going on. Follow, yeah, keeping up with the basketball rankings and a lot. Yeah, who am I kidding? But anyway, good talking football with you, man. Uh, good, and good luck to your, your teams this weekend. Uh, I know uh, we're both um, we're both in one oh, team that we we're, we're struggling yeah, we in some industry league together, man. That's a, a brutal, uh, frustrating, frustrating stuff in that. Yeah, one. well, I mean, I waved the white flag in that one last week because I had Dalvin Cook and Najee Harris. Uh, so I was like, well, and Justin Herbert yeah. as my quarterback. So I'm like, all right, well, I lose. That's fine. We'll just keep it moving. Keep it moving until next week. Uh, but yeah, don't. Yeah. I see Trey Lance return to practice here. I have Trey Lance stashed on many fantasy teams. So, uh, but that uh, man, let's see, let's see if that. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe maybe too. Kyle Shanahan if he pra- if he gets a couple good practices in, maybe he'll play him by week thirteen. So we'll see. Um, yeah, all right, that's gonna do it for us. We're gonna keep the conversation going on Twitter though, and we'll obviously keep our alerts on Brandon Cooks. Follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB and follow Dalton at Dalton Del Don. If you want fantasy analysis and news updates from the entire team, give a follow to Yahoo Fantasy. Uh podcast plug, you people out there. 
You need more content just drilled into your brain. Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and SI's Pat Forty preview a massive Week 9 college football slate on the latest episode of the College Football Inquirer. Look for it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Dalton, because he is a very busy man, Jason Klobaka, a very busy man. Don't give him any more work. He's going to be back on the show tomorrow with a preview of Sunday's NFL games with Liz Loza. Until then... Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.